0: we are up and running hey welcome to the scuttlebutt i'm rich mellon and i am having a great day the heat broke last night kind of sort of we had a little tiny wee bit of rain which is like a millimeter oh well actually be official 1.1 millimeters of, of rain which for all of our american fellows is about one twenty-fifth of an inch like <laughs> that much not even the thickness of a piece of paper it was pathetic but it's better than where it was i may or may not be wearing pants today cuz it's still kind of hot and humid but <laughs> i want you i want <laughs> you to to join me in welcoming uh our guest today from alaska kurt lockwood how are you sir
1: man i'm great i uh, send that break in the heat this way it was 90 yesterday we're probably going to be over that today i've got a 10,000 acre fire burning within 40 miles of my house so it's a <laughs> little hot and muggy or smoky this morning
0: it's really weird like I mean uh, of course first thing that everybody beat the drum on is that it was climate change and, it, and it's not it's actually a really cool combination of five things happening at once and it's the best description I got of it after you know researching through it all and everything was that it's a reverse of the Santa Ana winds the Santa Ana winds that happen in in uh in California and they and they blow on shore and dry everything out start fires spread fires and that well this is happening on the back slope of the mountains and it's a reverse but it took five things all landing together to 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 make it happen at once and it's actually kind of cool if people could just get over the hysteria of uh the climate change stuff and that and actually pay attention what's going on this is uh, this is a once in in several centuries occurrence especially here we hit um First time ever since they have been keeping records, now we we were over 100 degrees Fahrenheit, which is unbelievable. Like I mean, as a yeah. kid, you know, you're running around your bare feet and half naked most of the time in the summertime if it was warm or whatever. Oh, it's got to be 100 today. Nobody ever knew. Nobody even had a thermos. You know, had yeah. a thermometer on the wall. Nobody cared, but y'all thought it was 100. Well, then when you when something like this actually happens, and you know, we have have the records come out. Well, this is the first time ever you know we we hit 100.4 or something and wow uh, out at my place you know was hitting like 111 and that but you'd never know how accurate what you've got is or or anything else or and you can be in a little microcosm because i know like last night when the um the thunderstorms marched they marched up out of the south and that we were like right in the middle (laughs) there was a big there was a big uh uh, series of cells and went to the east of us and others to the west of us and and we got next to nothing. Some people I know got a lot of rain, like uh, uh, not very far from here got get, got a lot of rain. So this this is the way it goes. You uh, you were uh, first. Let, let's talk about now that I've wandered everywhere already. I love I'm, it. I, I'm let's a go. top of the game. <laughs> 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 I I wanna I wanna talk about you know. You like uh, like most people when you got to Alaska. You you didn't you weren't born there. You you came from somewhere else, and uh, you'd sent me a really nice uh, uh, story of uh, of of how you got here. I asked you. I said, you know, give me a little bit of information on on, on how you got here. And uh, uh, I guess I should say we met through uh locals yep, Absolutely. And I, I I found it fascinating uh, your story mostly because I, I really strongly identify with it you were were come from michigan and and you can tell us about that in just a minute but just the fact that you knew very young what you wanted to do and you you took you know quite quite the route to get there and yeah uh, you you couldn't become a canadian but, <laughs> but right, got, right right you did better <laughs> or, or as good <laughs> i don't know sometimes yeah <laughs> but tell us about that um yeah so
1: grew up in uh I guess it'd be, let's see if I can get my right map out here for everybody. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah right. Uh, right about there. So central lower Northern lower peninsula. So not a troll, not from the the UP. I think uh, although visits to the upper peninsula of Michigan along the Lake Superior shoreline is kind of what in my mind as a little kid was, wow, this, you know, this was true wilderness, which it, it really is. But, uh, you always want, you're always longing for more and and more uh, isolation and more wilderness. So I kind of attribute a lot of the, the upper peninsula to that, but yeah, I grew up in just absolutely great, uh, agricultural rural setting. My high school class was 63 or 83. I always forget, but a real small uh, class I had, uh, we were one lot off a beautiful inland Lake and I had four more five more lakes out my back door that I could get to by pedal bike or later by little dirt bike or, or however it was, but the woods were my, my back door and literally outside every morning, wandering the woods. And, uh, if I was on a lake somewhere, I could hear my mom's high pitched shrill calling me home for dinner. And, and if I didn't make it, it really wasn't that, that big of a deal. She knew I was out getting, getting muddy, playing in the, in the water somewhere, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was fantastic. Um, and I don't know what it drives from being a little kid, but by both my folks just say, God, you're, since you were little, that's, you've just wanted to go, go to the mountains, go to the wilderness, go. And, um, like I said, there was a series of books I read as a, as a young kid and about a Canadian Mountie chasing, chasing bad people by dog sled across the Yukon territory. And, uh, the series of books just really, really, uh, set with me. And I'm like, that's what I'm going to do. And, but I, like I wrote you, the, my folks sat down and said, well, there's this place called Canada and we're not there. Although my, my dad worked for General Motors for 35 years. So I knew, you know, if you went across Ontario or across the, or under the Detroit river, you could get to Ontario and uh, get better pizza over there. And uh, you could drink before you were 21, just make it back kind of. Safe, but uh, so uh, I knew you know this place called Canada, but they 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 described Alaska to me, and I'm like, huh, Yukon Territory, Alaska, still United. Yep, that's where I'm going to go. And it it took me a while to get here, but <clears throat> hey, here we are.
0: Well, I like a lot, that because, of, a lot
1: of years later.
0: Well, you know, we we shared a a, a uh, an author for sure because I, I I I I read the same Jack London, Call the Wild, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, we were a little more tightly connected to it I mean we didn't we didn't realize as you realized that you were not in the wild we didn't realize that we were in the wild you yep. know like it was <laughs> it was just that kind of kind of thing as I've said before I, I was 18 before I ever ate beef and you know I mean yeah everybody ate moose and 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 uh, and, <clears throat> and deer uh, elk uh, actually elk really just came into this country at about the time I was turning Fifteen, sixteen 16 was about the first time that elk showed up. Now there's lots and lots of elk here, you know, they've, right. they've, they've been very successful with the, uh, with the agriculture and that. So uh, we shared uh, a lot of, uh, of that. And I, I knew that what I was going to do when I grow up, I did not have no idea of my career path or, or TV or anything like that, or that, that was, that was crazy stuff to talk about when right. I was a kid, you know I mean? Cause nobody had a camera, like not even old an old brownie still camera you know let let alone what we have today nobody knew how fast the world was going to accelerate through time and space but i i knew that i was connected to this world you know and and that this is this is where it was going to be and i always find it so fascinating how other people from other places whether it's michigan which is a gorgeous place or or north carolina which is which is gorgeous and you know all those people they have they have this this life and this life road that they travel and 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 how they get there you know uh i, I find it fascinating i i do i i really do so you decided- alaska is a huge a
1: huge melting pot in and of itself i you meet those people all over the place you know a good group of my friends are people that were born and raised here who have no idea what they have out their backyard you know it's i, I i've got a dear friend that i don't think has wandered more than a couple hundred miles from, from home. And he's never been north of the Brooks range to see the Arctic caribou herds and the muskox on the gravel bars and the grizzly bears out in the, you know, the endless tundra and all the way to Prudhoe Bay. And I'm like, I, I can't spend enough time in the this, this state in itself is just too big to get explored all in one lifetime, but I'm going to try
0: it. It's is gigantic. A lot of people yeah. don't understand. You're yeah. you you roughly cover what about a third of the uh, of uh, the U.S. continental U.S. That would yeah. that would be the size of Alaska. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: Texas yeah. would make a nice size
0: island. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I mean, I I, I follow one of your representatives, uh, Mike Cronk. Okay. Is that name familiar? He's what he's <sighs> just newly elected in this last election, and okay. and uh, he's been posting on Facebook and that. And so I've been following him, and it, I just find it fascinating. I mean, I have my mind is the original junk bin, you know, that junk drawer that, that your mom hid everything in, but you could always find what you needed to eventually. Yeah, <laughs> that's my mind, and so I, I find I find it fascinating to 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 follow along with these escapades and what's going on in um, what what do you call it? House of Representatives. Is that what it's called? Yep. Okay. In the in the House House Representatives and and uh, the different challenges that everybody's facing, the world today is so different, and and Alaska has a very unique uh, model, I guess is, is the best way to look at it. Like like yeah. I mean, you all have subsistence rights here in Canada. We would call them subsistence rights, and if you have live in the right condition or or have the right history or or genealogy or whatever, you have the right to hunt or fish without a license year round in in some cases it's it's controlled by uh by geography but not always right but everybody in Alaska has that right correct
1: I can't say for for sure because uh where I live I have no subsistence right so I've never even really looked into it but um it's based a lot of where you yeah where you live and what resources you have surrounding you and whether or not the the model fits but they they can open and close those but yeah most people living in rural alaska have uh, access to subsistence hunting and fishing rights
0: where exactly are you i am
1: located just a smidge north of i live in fairbanks so it's central about as central alaska as you can get
0: right the dead in the middle and i had a guest that was from delta junction
1: yeah uh the alaska viking i think is yes who he was yeah so 100 nah. miles 100 miles down the road yep
0: okay so you we've guys probably
1: are... we uh, we've probably shared a number of uh duck streams together shooting mallards and not even knowing each other was there other than passing in a boat and freezing
0: so <laughs> but that's you're, you're kind of in the middle of uh, of the country that sees the worst weather right <sighs>
1: Boy, I don't know. I asked my friend that lives out in uh, King Salmon where it's, you know, it's a calm day if it's only blowing 35 knots kind of thing. <laughs> but uh, interior tends to be the, you know, kind of the the coldest, but I don't, I wouldn't call it the worst weather by any means. It's where if it's 30 below here, I can guarantee it's 50 below up north on on the coast. I have access to endless amount of rivers and trail systems. Um, I don't live in Los Anchorage and deal with all the the chaos and the high rises down there. Although their accessibility to the Kenai Peninsula and world-class fishing is a little, little more than me, but I'd much rather catch a catch a 20 inch grailing and not see a person all day than land a 60 pound King with 400 boats lined up to drag through the same hole. But that's just me.
0: True. True. Whenever a good secret gets out, it, it ruins it. But to get back to, to the Alaska model in that like uh i was reading that you you guys share in the or everybody gets a share of the of the the resources that alaska pulls in
1: it is the uh yeah there you're getting into politics and where they how they draw the money how they manage the account how they divvy it out but the the permanent fund dividend and it's all based on revenue from uh oil shares and you go back to uh, governor Jay hammond and all the history of how it came about, and and now it's kind of this constant—I don't want to say fight—but there, they're, everybody's got a say in where it comes or how it's going to get distributed. What's the future for it? But you know, every every year, every Alaskan um, that qualifies gets a, I guess a, a, a dividend check is what it is. But okay, it's okay. it's not it's it's enough to put maybe a, a tank of fuel oil in your in your uh, in your house or uh, still go gasoline for the, the season or something like that. But, uh, it's funny how dividend sales, the, you know, the, the Walmart sales for flat screen TVs go up ex- uh, oh. exponentially. It's yeah.
0: Same It'd thing. be fine. Hey, yeah. I am mean, they save problem. that.
1: the Yeah. Save that the entire, it's nice though, for our, our two kids that, uh, Alaska offers a, a savings plan for the university through that. So every year it's like, they don't even know it exists here. You're dividend, you live in Alaska, but um, by the time they graduated school, it, it's helped out with uh, education. I just had my, my oldest daughter graduate a four year degree in three years and uh, did so debt free, which is kind of highly unlikely in these days, but that's good for her. That's good a byproduct of the dividend. Um, over the years, she was smart with that and uh, it's good.
0: So now on to degree two, darn it. Hey, Rich here. Sandy and I are pleased at the rapid growth of our exclusive community. Trapping Inc. at locals.com. We created the community to connect more closely with our fans, friends, and supporters without the interference and censorship of social media companies. Because this community is subscriber exclusive, there is no censored photos, shadow banning, and deplatforming. As happens on Twitter and Facebook, trolls are non-existent. As not a one will spend a nickel and put their money where their mouth is to protest on a paid site. You know it. We are steadily moving all Trapping ink, YouTube videos and podcasts as quickly as time and bandwidth allow. We're tickled and surprised to see how large of a library we must move. As well, we are sharing articles on trapping and guns and shooting. Our new TV series, Married to the Hunt, videos are here too. Hours and hours of never-before-released to the internet hunting and fishing from around the world Trappingink.locals.com will be the exclusive home of all trapping inc content from the past and into the future what else is there to do well there's a forum for everyone to post pictures on and iterate you can message us directly on as well as interact with all the other subscribers. These are all people with common interests. Get in here. This whole venture is about taking the Trapping Inc. TV community to the next level, building a community of shared interest, and interacting with all of our friends. Who knows where we can go from here? Just go to Locals.com and sign up for a free account. Then search for Trapping Inc. and subscribe for $5 a month. That's it. Go to Locals.com to open a free account, and then subscribe for $5 a month to Trapping Inc. Help us spread the truth about a way of life and the responsible, ethical management of the wild resources. Trappinginc.locals.com. Now back to the show. Okay, looks like we are reconnected. Sorry about that, folks. But um, no. I would complain to my internet provider, but they tell me it's the heat. In the winter, they tell me it's the cold. If it's sunny, it's the sun. You know, you know what I mean? <laughs> There's never a reason that makes any sense never is so you ended up heading to alaska when uh fall
1: of 1994 i believe uh yep left michigan kind of college was wrapping up some uh just needed some changes in the and where the life was going to take me. So I figured, uh, you know, that that looming Alaska dream was kind of always out there. And I used uh, education as a great excuse to tell my parents of why I wanted to go and where I was headed up. So I uh, applied to the University of Alaska Fairbanks Wildlife Biology Program, got accepted, packed my bags, not knowing a soul up here. And here we are 2021, right?
0: It's, it's like uh alaska is full of the of the last pioneers isn't it there's there, there I've it is, this, yeah i've heard this story that, that nobody knows nobody knew uh, anybody there but they were headed for alaska that's cool
1: <laughs> yep and boy that and yeah it's just a network of friends and we all have similar stories and i've never met a more gracious group of people in in all the country not to say they're not out there and i've met wonderful people all over this uh, wonderful world but as soon as I landed and you know hey you're from here and you're going to it was you know people inviting you over for dinner people inviting you for snowmobile ride or snow machine rides and and airboat rides and everything just come along be part of our our lifestyle up here it was great
0: so what did you go to school for in the university Uh, of fairbanks
1: I enrolled and eventually graduated in the wildlife biology program so
0: okay yeah so what 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 to, what what degree did you get there or did you have a specialty
1: tell me No about so it's it, it is in wildlife uh, wildlife biology is the as the degree so it was a four year degree most people get that degree that are seeking to go on to masters or phd programs work for either different different uh I guess environmental groups or fishing game is kind of the big, you know, Alaska department of fishing games, the big biology based, uh, backing for all the fisheries and, and resource management up here. And so that's, that's where majority of my, my consumptive user friends ended up, but, uh, being a little older starting uh, school up here, I worked a couple summer projects doing, um, uh, Peregrine Falcon research out on the Tanana river, living remotely watching Peregrines and running jet boats. It was pretty awesome but uh learning you know the, that there were master's students and phd students out there that were like scraping by just to to get grants to get paid for you know seasonal work and stuff like that and i'm like geez i don't know if i want to do this for another 4 years i should probably look for a look for a real job and and start doing that so i yeah at the at the point i got my you know my 4 year degree i I kind of looked into the masters or the PhD side of things. And ultimately when I was in Alaska, I wanted, or uh, Michigan, I really wanted to be kind of a a DNR conservation officer kind of guy. And uh, yeah, so eventually I was thinking, well, I can use that, do the uh, wildlife trooper bit and maybe put some enforcement and biology into work. And uh, yeah, so graduated with a biology degree and became a copper, I guess
0: so that uh, here we would call them conservation officers and you you enforce the the laws and the uh, of wild the the game laws the and other like i don't know what uh, to compare the two systems but uh, they can even a conservation officer can even give you a ticket for for uh not wearing a seat belt or for for drinking and driving any of that stuff in in the bush um yeah so it's interesting
1: we're yeah, so it's interesting in, in in Michigan to see growing up, you know, the like I said, the conservation officers were all DNR based, and I don't know outside of you know meeting them out fishing and stuff like that, I had no interaction with them whatsoever. Uh, Alaska wildlife troopers are completely different. They are a trooper first, which is all law enforcement based throughout the state of Alaska. So you can get a wildlife trooper respond and take care of a domestic violence situation, make a drug bust, write you a speeding ticket and investigate your, uh, your wanton waste on a on a moose, but they are like jack of all trades. Their primary mission is wildlife enforcement, but with numbers being down throughout the state, they, they wear both hats um, equally well. So especially if it's a one, there's a lot of uh, wildlife troopers that are based with their, just the sole personnel in a remote post. So it's, you know, they have to go and do a death investigation somewhere. It's not like, well, I can't do that because it didn't involve a moose or a caribou. No, they they do all the work of of a regular trooper, but their primary mission is fisheries and wildlife
0: uh, safeguard. So you really did get the uh, the RCMP, job.
1: <laughs> well, I, that's not what I'm doing. I had a friend that became uh, I was a trooper for a day, but uh, I uh, I have a dear friend that is a is a uh, a wildlife trooper um located in western alaska when he got this job early on he says man it's the greatest gig on on earth however i don't get hunting seasons off it's like my busiest time of the year yeah. and it kicks my butt so i was like huh well maybe that's not what i want to do because i get three days off and i get my weekends and i get my hunting seasons. so uh, went went another path but that's uh that slowly widened to an end, thank goodness.
0: Well, and, and I mean, the original RCMP stuff was, was just oh, that. They were yeah. out in the middle of yep. nowhere, and they did everything. They did yeah. everything from drunken disorderlies to, uh, to, to investigating uh, animal crimes, all that kind of stuff. Some of the stories you read, I read the one just the other day where the, these two guys took off, and they are in northern Saskatchewan, and they did like uh, 580 miles by dog sled. And at one point, it got it got too cold for the dogs to run, and and they they figured it was like sixty below or whatever, so they stayed in the tent for the day, stayed in the tent. Yeah, <laughs> right. and they even had, but they, in the report, and I was reading the actual old report, and he he talked about uh, uh, you know how much they took for food and all that, what this whole uh, circuit that they did through all all the lakes and all this kind of stuff, what it actually cost, you know, but then this day the, the their meal allowance didn't cost nothing because they were a guest at somebody's place and stuff like that and i thought oh my god these guys were so tough and they were so virtuous you oh. know like it was it was unbelievable yeah. i mean today it seems like everybody see you know ha- has their own axe to grind and everything but these people were really just doing what what they were supposed to do it was it was it was fascinating but you didn't end yeah. up on that side of it you you stuck mostly to to the wildlife stuff
1: no I didn't do yeah no I'm geez yeah I just became like a just a normal copper which yeah you'll probably get like more hate messages now and you're on, on trapping ink but uh, I don't care. No, that, that yeah I, I I know so no uh, <laughs> I've just been in, in 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 plain Jane general uh law enforcement for uh 23 and a half years
0: Oh, okay. 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 So
1: I was, was... yeah, I've done everything from, yeah, just regular patrol training. Uh, A good part of my career was involved handling and uh, instructing police canines, which was just a huge reward. That was a lot of fun. Um, Oh my gosh. Pretty scary at times, but uh, pretty good. Did uh, a good long stint on SWAT and kind of, uh, I bounced to a little smaller, quieter department in my last couple years here but I'm I'm like they're single major crimes detectives detective and I get to yeah just look at look at the, the unfortunately the worst side of, of people there are bad experiences and, and people having you know gone through some really rough times for the kind of crimes that I'm investigating now and then uh, so but that's 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 coming to an end here in about a year and a half
0: you're you're you're, you're just about to retirement I I am. Yeah.
1: We have, I'm the last, uh, my generation ish, uh, state of Alaska has gone through several tiers of retirement, but I'm the last that has a defined, my generation's the last one that has a defined benefit. So at, at 25 years, I get, you know, X amount of my highest three paid years and, um, and medical coverage, which medical's a, a huge part of it, especially at not being super old when I at 25 years. So it'll be, uh, It'll be nice, but it would it's ridiculous the system is it it doesn't make sense for me to stick out any longer than twenty five years because I'm entitled to x amount of money. It basically goes down to working for you know like thirteen dollars an hour if you do the math right. I'm like, I can go stock shelves at Walmart in the middle of the night and make more than that. but
0: everybody yeah. with defined benefits, which the world can't afford anymore, so that's why they ah, are you know why know. you are the the last generation to to have defined benefits, but everybody. I mean, they they quit. They take their their pension, and then they go do something else. They you know they absolutely or, or whatever, and and you can't blame them. I mean, you're way too young a man to just quit. Like I mean, I remember I have so many old friends that you know they would farm until they were seventy or seventy five, and then they would quit. They'd be dead in a year. And yep. it, and, and I all I, I just got to believe that it was because they, they they were no longer stimulated. They were no longer connected with life. You know. Uh, yeah. for a lot of people in Alberta you know especially when you get out into the the prairies and the and the farming and that when they leave there they go to BC and you know uh, dreaming about you know retiring in BC whether it was in the Okanagan or you know it's where it's warm and sunny and all that. But none of them made it very long no. you know and I, I think that, that that that's the thing you know people talk to me and say you know I just celebrated my 62nd birthday. Well, when's retirement? What is retirement? I said, I'm working right up to the reception of my funeral. You know? <laughs> yep. Yeah. And work doesn't have to be work.
1: No. I mean, that's, yeah,
0: yeah. No, no. Do, do I look like I'm working today? Yeah, that's right. <laughs>
1: so. Driving, driving an Argo is pretty rough, yeah.
0: Well, sometimes, yeah. I know, yeah. <laughs> You, you get those experiences there, don't you? Yeah, you, you, you sure do. To, you know, sometimes when they, when they call for for Officer Kurt, you've got to get in a jet boat or you got to get in a, an airboat or, or an Argo or whatever to, to go do it, right?
1: Yeah, it doesn't, yeah, that's everything's so remote here. You never know how you're going to get there.
0: Let's talk about the life that comes with, uh, no matter what job you've got in Alaska, they, uh, there's a special life that comes with it, all those great outdoors. Yeah. Let's talk about that. That some uh, you got absolutely into, into trapping. I course. did. Yeah,
1: that was that was part of the byproduct of of going to school. Uh, a, a dear friend of mine who, gosh, yeah, got me into trapping, and literally it was hilarious. We're walking back. I think I'm heading to the dorm, and. He's hey, I got something to show you. You want to look what I got in my truck? You know, and most people are like, "What are you? The heck are you doing over there?" And so, he's got you know this red fox or two that are you know frozen because he he'd snared them. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, they're way bigger than I thought. I think these things are huge. Oh my god, this is gorgeous. Well, we're talking by the truck, and another one of my my friends who works for fishing game now. He's oh yeah, I, I got you know a lynx the other day or two links. I'm thinking this is crazy. We so I got to be able to do this and. So my buddy with the two uh, two red foxes like, I got another check. I, hey, after class this week, let's let's go out and you can walk the line with me. And I'm like, oh man, here I go. And I'm thinking we're out for the big adventure and we end up, you know, crossing over the hill where we're within 10 miles of Fairbanks proper, although being at pretty uh, isolated little valley, not, uh, you know, not multi-use trails. Uh, that's a topic I can... You know, go into at a later time but it was uh, a you know a little creek drainage that walked back in and it was nothing more than a little foot loop in a thick alder patch and you know of course the fox are running that so he had his little snares out and I think maybe a martin pole or some set of something to catch a a critter that ran up the tree he had no idea what it was either but man we're going to try it so uh we came across an open beaver hut that foot trap uh that foot seat or foot trip out there. And it was so cold and the cricket froze to the bottom, froze its food cache out. So they basically came out of the top of their, of their hut and they were swimming for survival. So it was, you know, 20, 25 below out there. And you got a pair of beaver that are swimming perpetually inside their hut. The only open water. And that's the only way they can keep it open, but they're coming out to go get fresh wood because their cache is froze. Um, and then going back in, but he's like, I, I had a couple snares on this. I can't catch them. I don't know what to do. So we brainstormed this whole scenario and Dean Wilson, bless him, who's, who's passed, but boy, what a, that's a, that's a history in Alaska in of itself is Dean Wilson is, is, you know, the father of interior trapping. Um, his book is coming out again. I, we found like 500 copies. So I'll try to get you, get you a book, oh, but yeah. it's a very, a very cool book. Him and Ada ran a, a fur bicycle buying business out of a hotel room here in Fairbanks and was just an old timer that you could go get information from. So my trap and buddy back, you know, the day Leo were, I think we need a different trap for the for what we're doing. This snaring thing isn't working out, and so we run to the Klondike Furs and we buy a 330, not knowing how to use a 330, how to set a 330, <laughs> not having enough money to like buy setters or anything like that. All right, we're head head back to this, so we're again out at you know 20 25 below, and we get this trap eventually set just out of sheer trial and error and get it situated and what we think is the perfect set and these beaver are like five feet away watching us the whole time come back the next day of course the 330 is pushed out of the way and sprung with a big log in it like okay we, we got to figure this out so we you know we put it back well now you're dealing with a 330 that's covered in ice and yeah two people pushing each on a spring and trying to, oh, it was, how we didn't both get caught in it is miraculous. We get it set, come back the next day, and lo and behold, we have this just big, beautiful beaver slapped in there. They were huge, uh, huge beavers. So we it's in there. So now we're like, okay, now what? How do we get this thing out? So, you of course, it dawns on us that we probably want this out before it hair freezes to the to the steel, no one taught this taught us that, but that just makes sense. So here we are again, fighting with the iced over, frozen half you know watery beaver, our hands are soaked. we we get it out Well we're wrestling with this beaver to get it out of those three thirty, we hear this like little squeaky noise, and its mate is coming out of the hut to check to see what's going on. Like, hey, how you guys doing? Oh, what are you doing with the Fred over there? It yeah. doesn't look so good. <laughs> And we're up to the point where we're like literally scur- scurrying this uh, beaver back in the, the hole, going, "Oh, I feel so bad! Like this poor thing's just watched its you know wife or husband get smacked." And no, what are these two strangers doing to it? Uh, so, and eventually we get it reset and we go hide in the bushes. It's kind of like, "Okay, what's it gonna do? What's it gonna do?" And we watched, you know, the trigger, the trigger, and boom, we watched that three thirty in action. And I tell you what, not ever seeing it in person, how quick and how, I mean, the humane factor behind a body grip trap was, was amazing. And that was even a a cheap three thirty back in the the days, but it was, it was something to see. And after all the handling that we did with an ice covered trap, we gained just a little bit more respect for what it could probably do to our hands. And yeah, it was amazing. So yeah, that was our, that was my first, you know, our, our two beaver that we, we drug out and then the whole new lesson in skinning and flushing And then the, uh, that was the next year we thought, wow, we're going to become big foot trappers together. We're going to go out and rule the country. And so we, we bombarded around the countryside on snowshoe. And here we are big wildlife students that had never seen a Martin track before, but we were after Martin and we kind of read some books and knew what we were doing. And we're off in the woods and we find these tracks. And so we're like, I don't know what those are. You know what those are? I I don't know. So, all right, run it through the dichotomous key of, well, they're not snowshoe hair. They're not squirrel. Uh, they're not porcupine. What else is kind of alive in the winter? Well, it kind of has a hop of a Mestelid. I'm going to go with Martin tracks. Let's set a Martin trap here and went to school and came back like three, four days later. And we had uh, three Martin hanging and maybe nine, a dozen sets hung out of this Valley. So we thought we were like just on top of the world with (laughs) Martin trap. And so our (laughs) friendships remained ever since, you know, 94, we've uh, done tons of duck hunting together. That was where really brought our love together, but, uh, we did snow machine trapping, but did a lot of, uh, a lot of snowshoe trapping through college together, which was, then you're learning all that you, you know, you go out and you catch your first links when a uh, cycle comes high and you see that track and yeah, the, uh, the mink trapping on the sloughs that have salmon runs and, you know, missing, missing lots of attempts on otter, but it just, it, it got us out. We spent countless hours and miles on snowshoe just loving what this country had to give
0: and isn't it amazing those are things you never forget you'll have spent a lot of big money on stuff over time whether it's a vehicle or or whatever but that kind of stuff there those those experiences those life experiences you just never forget them and your kids never forget them either you know like oh no it it is so so my kids come home and they're all in their in their late 30s now they're all over 35 they're the oldest is just about pushing up on 40. and it's always the stories about where we went fishing or where we went hunting or do you remember this? And I look at the walls and the pictures on, on my, in, in my office here and there's, there's a bunch of them, you know, my, my daughter holding a, up a moose horn and a, of a little bull and, and, you know, and, and it's snowy and she's wearing an old pair of my camo and that kind of stuff. And, you know, th- those are, those, those are just things that the, there is no price, no value, no, no, uh, acceptable um, uh, comparison to you know the the, how important that stuff is but you at some point must have trapped a wife
1: ah boy yeah back in (laughs) Michigan I moved up here for two years and uh, yeah I kind of did the long long distance thing for uh, a couple years and then she came up for a, a spring break and She was sicker than a dog. I was into mountaineering at the time and I had a a long weekend. So I'm like, here, put these skis on and carry this heavy backpack. We're going up this glacier. I've got a group of guys and we're going to go climb a mountain this weekend. And you can just stay in the tent and read a book and like have a warm meal for me when I come back because I'm going to go do all the work. Right. And so she thought, okay, I guess I'll do that. Well, (laughs) she kind of, she kind of got a bug. So I make her ski up this glacier, sicker than a dog. Uh, She does a good job getting there, but, uh, stayed in the tent sick all, all day while I go climb a mountain, having the fun part of it and, uh, came down with my friends. And so, uh, but yeah, so after that trip, she decided that, ah, all right, even sick as she could be and skiing up a glacier and enduring, you know, a 20 below night in in a tent. And so, uh, yeah, I, you know, it was a really it was just the most amazing engagement gift ever it was a 20 below sleeping bag and some carabiners for climbing and said, honey, you want to live up here with me? And the rest is, the rest is history. So yeah, we've been together a long time. Uh, when we first started dating in Michigan, I gave her a disclaimer that uh, most of my girlfriends didn't make it through high school. So not in a bad way, but it was, I feel bad now, but I, I stood up more dates on Friday, Saturday nights because of the duck blind, the deer blind, the uh, ice fishing hut, you know, so I still remember one night we were tracking a, a a deer my buddy shot with his bow. And I happened to be like through the back farm of my girlfriend at the time. And uh, her dad comes out and I think, oh God, he's going to be mad that we're back here. And Kurt, is that you? Yeah, that I'm, I'm out here. Craig shot a deer and we're getting a few. Do you know, Tracy's been in her room all night like crying because you were supposed to go to the movie or go do whatever it was like yeah but but Craig shot a deer he's like all right I'll go back get my flashlight and help you guys but it, it'll be all right so I gave my wife the full disclosure that hey, hey I just I'm sorry there's some things that take a backseat during certain hunting seasons and so lo and behold uh she she took hunter ed at the time passed her hunter education and it, it still is a huge passion is waterfowl hunting and she showed up with a 12 gauge shotgun and said I guess I'm going with and oh, okay, I guess you're going with, so, uh, yeah, so, you know, a couple kids later, a couple, couple generations of Chesapeake Bay Retrievers, and yeah, so we're we're still, we're looking forward to the
0: next chapter, so. Uh, you know, I, I mean, I have a, a similar story, and and like you, I married outside my species, <laughs> <laughs> and, and uh, like you my my wife had absolutely nothing to do with the, with the wild she never hunted fished or anything or, or you know on until she met me and it, it is amazing though how much of a binder in a relationship the the wild can be you know that yeah. that share that love of the of the wild you know you um you have have two daughters i believe
1: yep yeah And yeah, when you say that, it's funny because yesterday we spent, it was 90 degrees. We hopped in the kayaks. There's a, a local little lake nearby that gets, it's got a campground on it. It'll be super busy this weekend, 4th of July. But yesterday was kind of that break. It was, there's not a whole lot of people out yet. And yeah, there's tons of rainbow trout and landlocked little silvers in there. So I'm, I'm content. I'm just paddling along the shore and I'm, I'm trying to get rainbows as fast as I can. And that's, that's my mission let's go out and enjoy the day, but I'm, I'm fishing. I want to catch fish. Um, My daughter's thinking, nah, I don't know. I'm having fun watching the ducks and the baby geese and the stuff over here on the Island and a beaver swimming. Then there's my wife. Just like enjoying the sun, just give me the sun and the tranquility. And I'm like, everybody can enjoy it on a different level, but we're all out. Enjoy. I had to be the fisherman at the time. And, but yeah, she was just as content to probably try to take a nap out there in the sun. So, it's pretty cool it's
0: just being out it's everybody's way of recharging i know sandy and i yeah. often talk about when we go to the trap line and and uh, when it's cold i mean i i still trap that's what i'm going there yeah. for and i i will put in you know over the three days that i'm there i will i will put in you know 40 50 hours sometimes you know d- depending on how things go and i come back and i should be physically exhausted because i'm sleep deprived and everything else but i'm charged and ready to face the world and sandy might have you know just spent the weekend in in the cabin if, it, if it's that you know that cold and that, that she doesn't get out and she comes back the same way we both get yep. what we need you know yep <laughs> you you took up uh flying you took you because i i know uh, very envious I, I see your pictures of, of flying into remote lakes and all that kind of stuff to go go fishing and hunting and, and trapping and all that I, that is so cool it um, is yeah, you know, that, that's, that's what everybody dreams of, of, of doing in Alaska, is, is that remote stuff. But you've, you've had uh, a, a few bumpy rides. Hey, folks, Rich from Trapping Inc. TV here, and we all have our idea of the perfect morning. You know what I'm talking about. For me, the perfect morning starts with the aroma and flavor of freshly brewed Old Smokes coffee. Studies have shown that just the smell of fresh coffee can boost brain activity. No kidding. Well, that's certainly no secret to me. I can barely talk before that first cup. <laughs> Just ask Sandy. I'm a dark roast man, and Old Smokes Coffee's darkest roast, Stout Maple, is what gets my day in gear. Extra dark, it's strong, aromatic, and smooth. Gets me revved up for whatever that day throws at me. Old Smokes Roaster Coffee over wood fires, the old-fashioned way. Wood roasting takes more time, much longer than modern hot air roasting. Slow roasting over wood takes the bitter out of the bean and imparts a heavenly taste and aroma from the wood smoke. All Smokes makes a roast perfect for each person. There are five roasts, from light to extra dark, each roasted over a different wood for a unique flavor. Did you know the darker the roast, the lower the caffeine content? It's true. Caffeine is a volatile oil that evaporates with roasting. The lightest roast has the most caffeine and the darkest roasts have the most flavor. Right now, you can order from their online store and use our promo code RICH. That's R-I-C-H. And get 10% off your entire order. Pretty simple. Just go to www.olsmokescoffee.com That's O-L-E smokescoffee.com and use the promo code RICH. That is promo code RICH for 10% off your entire order. And now let's get to today's show. Yeah, there was, you know, it's... You look
1: back on on life in some places if you could rewind or go back, but you can't. So you just gotta uh, bring who you brought to the or yeah dance with who you brought, right? So, but I was back on one of my little inland lakes, and I had a group of neighbors that absolutely took me under their wing for for hunting and and fishing and such. My dad, corporate businessman, worked in Detroit. Really odd relationship without going too much there. He worked for General Motors, like I mentioned, but so his family didn't have to live in. Detroit in the big city and everything that came along with that. Uh, a lot of the downstaters in Michigan vacation and do weekend warrior type stuff up to inland lakes in Northern Michigan. So he had a small little deer hunting and snowmobile cabin up there that eventually became our home. So my dad throughout my most of her entire childhood would commute, and live with my grandma, work for general motors for Monday through Friday by Friday afternoon, he was out of work and at the doorstep, uh, so I had weekends with with my with both my parents. It's probably the best marriage ever because they were only around each other, you know, three days a week. So it was pretty nice. But I never, yeah, it's it's kind of an anomaly. I never had any of the uh, teenage angst years. My dad was always like practically my best friend when he came home, and uh, but never he was a a whitetail hunter. It seemed like back in the days when you still had to catch a ferry to get across the Straits of Mackinac to go to the Upper Peninsula, um, but unfortunately. When I became a teenager somewhere in there, he lost the vision or majority of the vision in his right eye. He became really bummed about not seeing sights, not seeing seeing a scope, not wanting to go to left handed shooting. So I really didn't have. But It's not like my dad and I went hunting every weekend, but I had plenty of neighbors that I would go with. Uh, So that's kind of kind of where that went with uh, with them. And so one afternoon, middle of winter. yeah ice fishing or whatever and here's this little aronca champ i mean just a dinky little airplane lands on skis on my on my lake and then another airplane lands with it and uh uh good good, i'm just absolutely wonderful mentor like a second dad to me uh gary markland gets out of the airplane and and of course, you're just a kid. You're wide eyed. Like, this is amazing. Look at this thing. And you're on the ice and you're on And he walks up. Hey, you want to go to lunch? Like, oh, heck do I? Well, you better go ask your mom. All right. So Gary comes up with me. Hey, can I take Kirk to, to lunch? We're going to go in the airplane. Of course. Sure. So we you know, all have a 10 minute flight over to the town that's got a restaurant on another inland lake and we have lunch. But I tell you that flight sticks with me like like no other. So from then on, I kind of hung around airports and bummed rides in the back seats of airplanes when I could. But uh, when I was 15, I started flying and my mom would, I'd I'd go fly the airplane. Even after I soloed, I'd go around the patch, but I couldn't drive a car there. So my mom would drive me to the airport. I'd hop in the airplane and go places and she'd sit and read a book. And I came back and parked the airplane and she'd give me a ride home. And
0: Oh God, so that's moms. Yeah,
1: yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know. In college, started with the kind of the career aviation type program of maybe looking at being a commercial pilot or something like that. I'm really glad I didn't go to that route, but uh, it, it it became a financial issue. Uh, kind of out of out of out of high school into college, uh, the retirement out of General Motors wasn't going as great. Uh, my mom was still working, but. Um, you know, I, I caught my dad caught catch there, uh, cashing out some of his General Motors stock to buy some some flight time in my aviation, like a uh, checkbook, if you will, at the school. And it broke my heart. So I thought, you know, and I'm I, I've never not had a job since probably late elementary, so, you know, summer job. I've always, always worked, even through college. And I'm going, there's I can't afford this. I can't afford just you know, you're looking at instrument time, commercial time, uh, flying multi-engine aircraft. I'd have to basically take a year off, build a flight account and fly some more. So, and I, I, at that point I stopped realizing I'm like, so I I stopped having help from, from mom and dad kind of thing. I'm like, I am not breaking your bank account to, to just get my education. So that's kind of was the, the reasoning become or behind going to Alaska. And of course now everything's out of my pocket and going to going to college and this and that so it, it flying took a backseat for for quite a while so about 2010 is when i got back into it bought a experimental plane up here that i flew for a couple of years and then tore it down with uh it, kind of plans to make this you know this this just kick-ass bush plane and modify it up. Well, it sat in my garage for a couple of years and didn't get any work done, didn't get any work undone. So I finally sold that and bought another plane uh, about a year ago. So it was late July. So I've been flying again for about a year. Don't have a ton of hours, but uh, yeah, the pictures I started on Trapper's Inc. were just, it just, I didn't care if there was a Martin in the trap or not. <laughs> I was like, I'm in an airplane. I'm in the bush of Alaska. I'm doing this by myself. And yeah, I could be I didn't care if the traps had, had fur them or not. I was still trapping by airplane, which was a childhood dream. So I felt like I was you know, 10 years old again.
0: Well, that is so cool. Like, I mean, how far would you fly out? How, like, how big would be your trap lines circuit? Or, or would, you, would you go land on a lake and, and, and go around it? Or, or how, how would you work? So, and you run into a, a similar circumstance. Uh,
1: the heart of the winter, I am dictated a lot by daylight and very little of, so it was, it wouldn't, it was not, I guess, cost effective to go land, throw on the snowshoes and go on a two hour jaunt around the lake because then by then I'm on the waning side of daylight and I'd have to get in the airplane and come back. You're also looking at being outside the aircraft for a long period of time, even within a big insulated engine cover that goes over the, the engine to keep that heat in. Uh, if you're gone too long, it could get too cold, and it's going to be dangerous or not dangerous, but detrimental to the engine and all those nice lightweight aluminum parts to to start at cold temperature. And you're then okay. Well, if I'm going to have to preheat a little bit, you're drink, you're bringing more stuff into a small airplane, so you're on the ground as little as you could to keep the temperatures up. So I was pretty much lake hopping and river hopping to do. It's it's hit pretty hard. There's a lot of snow machine uh, trap lines around. Uh, quite a few airplane guys are out there, although they're, they're not looking for Martin and small stuff. Most of them are looking for moose kills, a wolf killed moose to, to run, uh, snares and do wolf, uh, trapping out of. So there's a ton of, ton of folks here, local that are just hammering the wolf pop or the best they can to hammer the wolves. So I was flying approximately, uh, you know, it was about a hundred miles out of town, give or take 120 miles, but I could go hit, uh. know about six or seven lakes uh little river landings if i started right at daybreak and make it back at at sunset or just uh you know twilight coming in but that wasn't very long and of course as the spring progressed you know you get more daylight so you're thinking okay i can set out some beaver sets i can go hit the otter runs i can go you know even jig for a rainbow trout in a lake and then we had a horrible march up here for winter and i don't i hardly flew in march it was either just the weather conditions nobody got out so I lost like the best month
0: for everything but that's that was it in a nutshell what's your shortest day how much daylight uh, in your shortest day
1: yeah so that'll of course be December 21st um and I want to say we have you know sun up because we are below Fairbanks is a, a a wee bit below the arctic circle so it's not complete uh, darkness but the, the sunrise or sun peaks above the Alaska range. And just as you're like, Oh, Hey, the sun's up, it seems to go down. It's the sun is I'd have to look at it, but I, it's not up for more than two hours in December 21st or thereabouts. And then you get on the either end of that a couple hours of daylight. So you're down to four to six hours is kind of what you're working with sometimes for like good usable light.
0: Right. Right. That's, uh, that, that, that's interesting. Cause, uh, then you 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 talk about March being your 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 month for for trapping. Like most of our stuff is wound down by then, like our our Martin and our Fisher and um, Wolverine and all that ends at the end of January. yeah,
1: well, that's and, yeah, that a lot of our stuff ends end at February. I mean, just March is I finally have daylight. I can go out and spend all day. I could go you still wolf trap. I could still in places still run some Wolverine gear and get some fishing and beaver trapping. Yeah, I could, I could spend an entire day outdoors where in November, December, January, are big trapping months by airplane, it's take off, get very little work done and make it back by dark. That's where the eventual, the dream is to have a, you know, a remote trapline cabin or a private property out there where you could, you could fly out, base the airplane with a couple, couple Elans, right. And uh, go conquer the the countryside on a, you know, either as a weekend warrior or as a full-time job all winter and live kind of out of the cabin and base with the airplane. That's where that becomes an efficient means of, of trapping.
0: Right, right. To have
1: a, have a cabin based out of, even if you were dog sledding or snowshoeing, having that cabin to base out of for three or four days. And this year I got an opportunity for the second year in a row to fly up. I have uh, two friends that share a partnership in a trap line cabin up in the brooks range which was just a spectacular it's a little cabin and they've got a elan and a tundra stashed there and yeah you just park the airplanes for three days and go go explore the country like no other i mean it was the only other people we saw out there were uh try to there were nat geo filming uh somebody out in the wilderness come across (laughs) this lake that like, what the heck there's a whole crew out here with snowshoes and this guy and we're bombing across on the on the snow machines and uh, you know it's that kind of that awkward look at each other like what are you doing here what are you doing here well we yeah. trapped this area oh well we're filming this guy in the middle of nowhere huh all right let's we'll see yo <laughs> yo, it's kind of
0: trapping on my trapline that's what you're filming yeah <laughs>
1: well,
0: right as somebody who does you know 300 kilometers or um, 100 and... 180 miles or whatever it is every every trapline check i lost the love of the e a long time ago <laughs> i
1: know we had that we had that conversation like oh
0: and then yeah. another one that everybody thought was so good was was the yamaha bravo you know yep. uh current trapline uh, that i've on now been now, i think seven years we're, we'll be starting our eighth this this fall um it came with a, a yamaha bravo had 125 kilometers on it, like it was the last year that Yamaha. Yeah, last year the That's Yamaha like a made six thousand dollar
1: sled now.
0: Well, yeah, I, I, sold yeah. <laughs> I sold it for big money too. I sold it for big money because I needed something that could that could pull a could pull a big sled and and uh, I needed uh, fuel capacity. I needed that 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 kind of mileage. How how much fuel does a plane burn making that hundred mile out and back trip?
1: It's yeah, it's um, fuel burnt per hour. So I my airplane it's a 1978 uh, Belanca Scout. So it's it, I'm not even going to remotely compare it to a Super Cub because nothing is a Super Cub, but uh, it's it's a it's a tandem seat, two seat stick and rudder old airplane or old uh, style aircraft. So um, Super Cubs just have a they are the quintessential bush plane or the variants of Super Cubs. We, they're slow but that's just it. You can get into places that you can't get into any other with a a super cub, but they're so expensive. So, um, my airplane does really great. It's, uh, it's got 180 horsepower engine that I, I'm pretty easy on. I don't fly anywhere, even though it's a little faster than a cub. I, I just never really run it hard, but I, I run, you know, eight gallons an hour, eight to nine gallons an hour. So you're dictating I've got 32 gallons usable fuel, fuel caches on lakes. So it nice thing about winter flying is I can actually put uh, plastic Jerry cans with av gas stashed in the woods. and I don't have to worry about the bears and right. then in the, in the summer, I I've got the old military style, they're clunky and they're heavy and they're, but I have the old metal Jerry cans that I'll stash out in the woods, but at least the bears can't puncture them and get through your life-saving fuel. But yeah. So you're looking at the, you know, if you're flying 90 to hundred miles an hour ground speed and using eight to nine gallons an hour with some takeoffs and landings and stuff like that. So that, that dictates the range, but you know, if I carry 10 gallons with me, that's, that's an easy get home.
0: Come okay. out. What is an average winter then for Martin for you? Is that what you target most the Martin? I, yeah. Through when I was trapping
1: by snowmobile or snow machine, uh, Heavily, yeah, Martin. It's just that's the country I happen to have a trap line in. <clears throat> when I picked up a from another college buddy, he and I just kind of uh, stumbled upon an area that was uh, vacant and ran it for a good number of years. And I've the uh, my buddy Leo, my be- fellow Beaver Wrangler, he still runs the country to this day. But it was just by by default primary Martin country. Had a few wolves that would come through, uh, Wolverine or two in the high country. Lynx would be an anomaly on just basically pushed into areas that weren't their normal area just because of starvation. So they're covering more country looking for food. So some of the the bottom uh, river crossings that we'd go through, even though they are high alpine crossings, might hold a pocket of snowshoe hare that uh, that would bring a lynx or two in. A couple fox on the bigger rivers, but yeah, primarily, primarily Martin and my my best year, we seem to average. And you know, it was 35 to I think 40, 45 would be a really, really good Martin year for us. You know, a couple wolves. If we got a Wolverine once every two, three years, that was really, really good. And that was that was the best Christmas ever is catching a catching a Wolverine and then we'd pinch fox here and there just as kind of byproducts. But
0: so you have this unique perspective. Uh, Alaska is a free for all state when it comes to trapping. Nobody owns a trap line. And uh, it is. I, let, let, you know where yeah, I'm going. It is. <laughs> i Yeah, it's, I do. Cause, and I, it's because, you're, you're in, you're in law enforcement. So you must have heard complaints that somebody's moved in on somebody else's trap line. And, and you just talked about how your, your buddy found one that had been, had been vacant. And, and, uh you, you know, how does it work? I mean, how, how,
1: I, it's tough. And anything, I, I use usually... the, I think it's probably growing but i use the 100 mile circumference of a lot or fairbanks just assume someone's trapping it uh and then another thing that's what makes it so difficult there's only let's say you have out of fairbanks you have one road that wise uh, you take a right and it's the Steese highway and 140 miles later you dead end at the yukon river central and circle area the if you veer left or yeah, veer left, you're on the Elliott and that takes you all the way to Prudhoe Bay. Leaving town, you can go if you're heading south, you take a left and it'll take you eventually to Valdez. If you take a right, it'll take you to Anchorage. That's it. We don't have a network of township roads, of a grid system, of we just don't have a road infrastructure. We have t- four main highways that go out of out of the out of the state kind of thing. Um, so every little trail that's accessible by snowmobile—I uh, keep using that—that's my Michigander. Everybody up here doesn't know what I talk—I'm talking about when I say snowmobile, but um, it, there's just access to the country is 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 minuscule. So that's right. where a, any access, any trailhead—you know—even the trapline that we found, we shared it with a a guy who was, God was an awesome guy, made the best lure back in the day, but his he had a grizzly bear. Hide for a seat cover, no less than like three guns strapped on him. At any time, was like six foot seven, looked like a demented elf riding a wide track, right? And they caught him killing his chickens out of a trapping box because he thought the blood all over uh, it was hilarious. Like what in the world? He's up in the woods at a Martin set, and there's chicken blood and fur uh, feathers flying everywhere. But we shared, you know, the beginning couple miles with him. He'd go left off into the valleys, and we'd go right. But yeah, it's a. That's the hardest part is the conflict of you literally up here and they're all going to be multi-use trails. You can say, this is my trap line. You could go in there and cut, cut a trail, but if it's usable, someone's going to find it and use it. Whether it's someone on snowshoes on the weekend, cross country skis, you're out on a fat, tired mountain bike, other people are going to use it. So you could have a Martin set and three feet away, I could put a Martin set and there is nothing so you try to instill like uh, the trappers association. We teach a pretty good trapping school for, for beginners and uh, experienced people alike. And you try to instill that code of ethics of, you know, even if I it, put it to hunting or fishing, you know, you're back in your walleye tournament days, you know, are you going to be no, nose to nose with somebody like, Oh, this is a good spot. And you're going to sneak right up on that person. Cause you got the rest of the lake or you're glassing for, for moose in this little Valley and, Four more people you know, are sitting next to you looking at the same moose but is it legal yes is it ethical no but when does that ever
0: play in the cow right the biggest problem with those situations is that we end up then trying to make laws yep. that 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 uh, you know regulate ethics and yeah. ethics and morality are are, are things that are, are law law just doesn't have the ability to grasp the uh the the essence of it and you know it's that 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 thing you know about about integrity it's doing the right thing even when nobody's watching absolutely and i i think for a lot of people when they come to a place like alaska or like northern alberta or they uh they just expect that it's just a free-for-all and that there's nobody else there and that wherever they wander it's it's up to them i have lots of friends like from uh you know you talk about michigan and that and they and they'll, they'll show me a picture of uh, uh, of traps under a bridge and one will be theirs and there'll be nine other traps under there they're all trying to catch a mink or whatever And yeah and i i understand the difficulty of it i mean some people are doing it inadvertently others yep. are uh don't care you know like yep. uh, they, they they figured that they they have the right so that that, that makes it perfectly mm. acceptable i don't know i know i know that in canada we ended up with our registered trap line system in order to force people to utilize the entire it, it, it actually wasn't it was more to protect the the animals because you know that 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 small area around a, a major city or whatever would would get trapped very heavily and mm-hmm. you know it, it, it would you know upset the balance so you <clears throat> I've, I'm, I've often been accused of saying you know that trappers don't don't affect populations, and they don't in a regulated system. But if you have an un- unregulated number of trappers, you know, oh. targeting a small area, of course you're gonna, you have to. I mean, it's no different than than you know we've just about managed the net out the sea full of of fish, or or what happened with bluefin tuna and how that had to be had to be regulated. You know, I mean, there is a is a possibility of uh, of being able to overdo it. So when they set up the the, the registered uh, trapline system in, in Alberta, it was just so that it was protecting the animals and that you know only one person could trap this this many square miles and then next and next and all on it went and in a, in effect i mean it it helped um with with our fur records and and and, our, and the quality of fur in that because it's further north you got you know and there are some yeah. traplines up there that are 30 townships hey rich here Sandy and I are pleased at the rapid growth of our exclusive community, Trapping Inc. at locals.com. We created the community to connect more closely with our fans, friends, and supporters without the interference and censorship of social media companies. Because this community is subscriber exclusive, there is no censored photos, shadow banning, and deplatforming. As happens on Twitter and Facebook, trolls are non existent. As not a one will spend a nickel and put their money where their mouth is to protest on a paid site. You know it. We are steadily moving all trapping ink, YouTube videos, and podcasts as quickly as time and bandwidth allow. We're tickled and surprised to see how large of library we must move, as well. We are sharing articles on trapping and guns and shooting. Our new TV series, Married to the Hunt, videos are here too. Hours and hours of never before released to the internet hunting and fishing from around the world trappinginc.locals.com will be the exclusive home of all trapping inc content from the past and into the future what else is there to do well there's a forum for everyone to post pictures on and iterate you can message us directly on trappinginc.locals.com as well as interact with all the other subscribers. These are all people with common interests. Get in here. This whole venture is about taking the Trapping Inc. TV community to the next level, building a community of shared interest, and interacting with all of our friends. Who knows where we can go from here? Just go to Locals.com and sign up for a free account. Then search for Trapping Inc. and subscribe for $5 a month. That's it. Go to Locals.com to open a free account, and then subscribe for $5 a month to Trapping Inc. Help us spread the truth about a way of life and the responsible ethical management of the wild resources. Trappinginc.locals.com. Now back to the show. They're just wow. monsters. Yeah, wow. 30 townships. Mine's four. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's four. You um, are involved with the, uh, with the Alaska Trappers Association.
1: Yeah, I've been a lifetime member for a long time, and gosh, that's give one any any big advice to anybody that listens is you know join join your local trappers' association, join the national trap, join these organizations that that are helping out because believe it or not, there's a lot of behind the scenes work that's done, and you know for the legal issues and stuff that's at play, there's you're going to need somebody to to fight that fight and. Uh, Alaska Trappers Associations it's 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 out there you know it's not loved by all and I never expect it to be but um, you know we are truly in it for the heritage and the individual trapper so but it's 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 cool to get together with a you know a group of folks it could be the you know the oldest old timer on a on a Monday night meeting to you know these kids that are running around and winning raffles and drawings but you know that's the the next generation and you got to Gotta instill that on and 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 keep the next generation carrying on this this heritage because it's that's what it is. And it's it's right. a piece of history. And I'm doing the same thing, you know, the what mission Northern Michigan was founded upon was you know the, the lumber trade and the fur trade. And I, yeah, I feel like every time I drag a beaver out of the ice, I think, you know, this this is what founded America right here. It wasn't the gold rush, wasn't anything, it was it was beaver, it was
0: just crazy. My, my, my favorite story is about the rendezvous, and Alberta has quite a, a well-renowned rendezvous, or we have had, haven't for the last two years. We're hoping to have one again soon here after this stupidity. But Yeah. Yeah, yeah don't do me. Really. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be here for forever. But my, my favorite story is um, our longtime uh, president of, uh, of the Alberta Trap Association at one of these speeches, uh, Gordy Klassen said, he says, you know, where else can you go where everybody gets together and we have kids running everywhere? He says, it's families. Yep. There's kids running everywhere. Every one of them has a sharp knife in his pocket and we expect them to cut something with it. You know? Yeah. And, that, and, that, and I just, it was, it summed it all up. And, and <laughs> this little guy, later in that day, the little guy comes around to our booth and he's talking and he's, his eyes are all big because he's, he's talking to me and I'm on TV and and, and I'm trying to just, you know break the ice with them you know like like i'm just a regular guy and he's got this bandage on his finger and he keeps kind of pushing it back on right this is what happened and his mom says oh well he he had to test how sharp his knife was and kid is kind of you know scuffing his foot and keep pushing this bandage back on yeah i says you need new bandage and his mother <laughs> rolls her eyes and she says tell him where you got that one <laughs> And the little kid finally managed to say i found it on the floor you know <laughs> like- oh my gosh yeah. Uh, (laughs) i couldn't quit laughing (laughs) it was so funny but i mean god that was me at that age i mean if if i was making a mess with the blood you'd put a piece of tape on it or something but i mean yeah we found it on the floor and that was good enough and and it yep it works that's just the kind of normalcy that is so missing in today's world isn't it yeah yep and kids kids are so, so much the future you did you want to talk talk about, uh, about your, your family, your kids and, and how you're bringing them up for, for the future?
1: Oh boy. <laughs> eh, as good as I can. How's that? Um, sure. yeah, I tell both my daughters, I'll never miss a day without telling them I love them because that's, that's the truth. And, uh, unfortunately my line of work and, you know, the realities of it is, is I walk out the door every day and I don't know when that day is that I might not walk back through that door, but regardless of my line of work, everybody has that. You could, you know, a car crash or something could could happen. Um, so I think everybody has to without dwelling on the negativity, you have to just take every day as a positive and and instill that in your kids that, you know, the, the family elements there, your dad's there, love is there. And, uh, but I think I have a, an unusual circumstance with my youngest daughter. Um, my wife and I just got guardianship over her at 18. So I'm dealing with, uh, a, a girl that's uh, got a severe developmental intellectual disability. And I tell you what, she, like I wrote you, she's got more grit in, in hunting and trapping and fishing than most adults. I know this yeah. girl hunts hard and you know, that's, I'll have her as a hunting partner for for life but uh you know there was some some difficulties that we we saw early on with uh, the challenges that we we're going to have raising her but that's one thing that is is has never waned that girls love the outdoors love to fish and pole, love to trap loves to hunt more than anything so it's it's taken a turn with me where you asked like I'd be happy you know she carried a Martin back that, that we caught and she carried it back in a nice warm day in the back of the airplane. But man, it was, it was a huge deal for her. And, you know, she caught three Martin this year and she can make her own or you know, have it tanned and make her own hat for her. And it's just part of the, you know, get your kids outside, regardless of, of where you're at, if they're, you know, neurotypical or the most autistic kid on the spectrum or you know, handicapped in a different way, get them out there. They truly love this stuff, their time with mom and dad. And, and you'll find they have true talents that are, are beyond and above and beyond what, what uh, neurotypical people have. And like I said, she, she knows her way around the woods and she knows what to look for in animals. Her tracking is amazing. Her shot placement on animals are, is, is great because her intensity and focus is so much, you know, there's no one I'd rather have in a, in a bear blind with me in the spring than, than her to back me up. So yeah, it's incredible. And just, you're taking the extra time to, to dress the kids properly, make sure they have the right gear. Don't be so fixated on I've got to, you know, shoot this moose or catch this fish that you're not stopping for the, you know, all quintessential snack breaks and make sure the, the comforts are there for your kids. And if they're happy and even when they're, you know, a little miserable in the weather, they're still darn happy because you're taking care of them and getting them out there
0: because you're there because you're there that's that that, that's the big deal i i told my kids as they were all growing up especially my boys and i said to them i says you know i says being a dad's a life sentence yeah they look at me like and now they have their own kids and i says you understand that oh yeah i said so when i tell you something remember i'm still i'm still your dad you know and the uh ability to share something it doesn't matter what their skills or or, or whether they're neurotypical or, or not neurotypical the ability to share something is an incredible bond and my hat's off to you to to have found something that that uh, is so important to her you know yeah. and, and that, that can can uh, give her focus in her life that's so much out. of the world today. So many of very people who are just throwing away wonderful lives because they have no focus, you know, no. and, and you have found, you know, a focus with her together. That, 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 that is incredible. <laughs> you, you were, uh, ha- had mentioned that, uh, she loves cross country skiing and that, and that she wow. was, uh, trying out for, for the, uh, Olympic team.
1: Yeah. So she's, uh, yeah, no. Um, I grew up, yeah, an Alpine, so Alpine skiing. So downhill. Okay. And she is, again, that's my, my wife and I, we were dating, we skied the little bumps in in Michigan together, but we came up here and, you know, the, the mountaineering aspect was different than getting on a chairlift and and skiing at your local resort. But we decided to, to get the family back into skiing a few years back. So for my rogue oldest daughter who had to try a snowboard but hey i still love her
0: so that's my youngest yeah yeah
1: so tegan tegan picks up skiing and uh you know i might as well just go jump into this thing whole hog and become my wife and i became uh coaches for special olympics alaska so we we have our team of uh special olympians i've got a good friend that he does the snowboard side of coaching but the team is pretty compatible as far as ability so we have our skiers and snowboarders together every saturday that it's above 20 below and we we train so it was in 2000 spring of 2019 uh, our local games so we're prepping up for state games right about that crazy c 19 er hits the country but anyway so I'm the gate setter. I go set up. We have the news crew here and, and my daughter's hot dog and is a, is a warm up run. Cause of course there's a camera rolling at the bottom. And <laughs> it wasn't like this, you know, Lindsay Vaughn tumbled through 4 million gates at 70 miles an hour. It was a simple, I don't even call it a crash. She just kind of twisted a ski and, and went down at the, kind of the end of the course. I don't see it. My oldest daughter's with her. And by the time they get on the chairlift and up where I'm at at the starting gate, She's kind of got a tear in her eye, and oh, my knee hurts. My knee hurts. Like, walk it off. Come on, suck it up. You, you can, you can do this. And
0: no, that is, really, my like, no. the yeah. Year award right here. Yeah.
1: yeah, yeah. So come on, it's it's nothing. And my daughter's like, yeah, she fell, but it didn't look horrible. And okay, let's let's go. So I put her in the gates. She skis that day uh, all through the competition. I can't remember if it was like slalom and and giant slalom. Uh, does her two runs, and then the next day we're going to come back and do super G, and then awards. So I make her ski race all two days, and every night just ice in the knee. Well, a couple days later, it's like this swelling isn't going down. We go in like, oh no, she probably should have an MRI. Yeah, found out she totally like not even just I mean it blew her ACL. So yeah, but uh, and then we didn't go to state because of course the injury, and then uh, COVID put all the restrictions on everything, and we'll see where we're going we're slated or she is slated to she is selected for the u.s special olympics alpine ski team to race in kazan russia in the spring of 2022 but we'll see how all that works out we still don't know we're we're anxiously awaiting word but it i, I don't know if it'll happen but we're we're ever hopeful because it'd be really cool to see her in that setting as oh, a world-class wow. athlete and yeah, but yeah uh, you know getting getting that knee repaired one of the biggest Things on her mind was that spring was she needed to be able to climb the ladder into the black bear blind and get in and out of the float plane <laughs> to get her bear that year. So every picture she did get a bear uh, that year or last year, and every picture it's like her right leg is is sticking out in a way because she can't quite bend her knee and hold it that way yet. So it was it was pretty cool. She got cleared by the doctor to go bear hunting, and that's what she did.
0: Uh, I actually I I can I can uh, identify with her so much I totally did a mcl on a mountain in in new zealand in a big rainstorm and whatever the next day i get out of bed and and my wife and i were sleeping in this little tiny bunk bed so we we were like spooned in there and and she says get up time to get up and so I, I i try to get up and i sit there and, and my knee is my, my 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 leg goes out like this and then, and then straight down just where well, you're going to get dressed i said i can't straighten my leg i said can you pull my leg she said, oh yeah i played this game before right yeah I, yeah if i pull <laughs> it, your finger we're, yeah we're not going there it was totally froze on me and so she pulls it and, and i really had no pain or anything with it but yeah it was when i came back and it's still t- to this day i i it, it's really sloppy and it's easier huh. for me to just go plop and fall off the mountain and that kind of stuff. Cause it, it'll hyper extend and all that, that, that sort right. of thing. But I, I identify with her uh, tough girl, tough, tough huh. girl, tougher than I was.
1: <laughs> yeah, she is. She's
0: well, fearless. what, what's up for the future then now uh, you, you you said that you're going to uh i'm just killing our national bird mosquito yep. here uh, yeah you got them too eh? oh yeah not not as many this year with the heat but uh and and, and the dry but oh, last couple of years were were absolutely horrible you try and walk the dogs every night first time ever that you know how hard it is to get an 86 pound dog to stand still so you can spray him with bug repellent you know they would, cause you've they got, would just be-
1: yeah you've got short-haired on yes. honor and yeah so that's and, and,
0: yeah and we were it was so bad we would put more clothes on than, than you would when it was when it was zero fahrenheit out there because of the bugs and and you had to put on on head nets and everything just yep. to go walk the you know we have the home quarter here of course by the time you walk around it that's two miles and got to walk the dogs every night and, and uh it was just it was brutal so this year i actually last year i never got to wear a pair of shorts once this year i, I wore them for a couple of weeks now and it says so my legs had had a cup of your soak at being white and now they're probably <laughs> getting some color anyway <laughs> but you were you you're, you're saying you got a year and a half to go and then 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 you're you're going to be leaving your career what then what, what yep. what's your plans kurt
1: boy that's a that's a great question i keep pondering um it's definitely going to have to do with aviation so whether i, I and i don't want to get tied down i really don't want to get tied down to another 60 hour plus work week you know I kind of want to be able to dictate so I contemplated just kind of that you know the fix it kind of guy in all of us you know your snow machine you know you, you, you break down in the middle of nowhere you got to fix it to get out and you know the, the mechanics aspect of the aviation has really intrigued me and just to be able to be self-sufficient so uh, maybe go to uh, airframe and power plant school see where that goes you, know, you get a part-time job at a, at a one of the, the operators here there's no shortage of needing uh, an airplane mechanic or you know getting a couple more ratings i don't think you know, i've looked at i was a big game guide for a year before uh, entering my career and it is so overrated on tv i mean there, you get those really good people you get some good clients but you talk babysitting rich people and it's not everybody but my particular clients that i had back in the day was you know basically babysitting rich people who had nothing more than a a dollar value to an animal. Yep. You know, it's, it's, I want, I want the biggest, it's not, I don't care about the experience. I just want to be, take me up this hill and find me the biggest moose or the biggest grizzly bear or the biggest, 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 biggest. And I just want it to take to my office and, you know, heaven forbid, cause it's you, me and a client at the that particular year, we didn't even have Packers dropped off by a super cub in the middle of nowhere I'm sorry, you got to help butcher this thing. And they were, you know, I got in an argument with a guy because he, he just wanted the head. That's all I want. What are you doing? You know, skinning this thing and taking the quarters off and cooling them. And it's going to be dark and you're going to make me hike back to camp in this grizzly infested countryside. <laughs> and how dare you? And he absolutely was just livid that I'm taking care of meat first and head second. And so it's, I, you know, the aviation industry, there's always a, a need for dropping off people on sandbars with, with rafts to do a rafting trip or self-guided stuff. Uh, there is a local area that I've looked at, uh, working for as a guide again, but he specializes in archery hunters, which is, and it's no time for, it's a really easy laid back. And these, I think an archery hunter understands the things a little bit more, but, um, that's always, always in the, uh. Always in the cards, the Alaska, like we were t- mentioned a little bit, has the ability to be remote. If you trap an area for like up to three years, if you can prove kind of, you know, state land, which there's, you know, bajillions of acres up here. If you can prove that, okay, you've kind of prospected this area, trapped this area, whether it's a river system, a lake system, a mountain system, and you can apply through the Department of Natural Resources for a trap line cabin and you pay you put a lease on it basically by the square footage so they they make it where they don't want you to have a 20 by 30 home out there you like 12 by 16 is a, is a doable structure for a trapping cabin you have to you know pay that lease for for square footage on any outbuildings or things like that and it's written in there that it is trapping only you could lose the permit if you go up there and turn it into a moose camp or or something like that it is only for trapping but you can you could base out of it. So it's finding that place in Alaska that isn't taken by a remote trap line, um, that it's country that's gonna produce, that you're not, uh, a dear friend of mine put, he just finished his second cabin on a a remote trap line, that really great country. And unfortunately this, the, the cycle of events, he lost a brand new cabin and outbuilding two or three snowmobiles to a forest fire. He literally just, burn it all to the ground. You're not in a fire suppression area. You're just at the whim of Mother Nature. So there's always that. But I would like to see that. You know, that's a childhood thing that's always been in the back of my mind is, you know, everybody should kind of get a chance to be the Marty mariatos of the world and fly yeah. out and do a remote cabin in the Brooks range and uh, you know, do the trap and lifestyle or the high mows of the of the world and and live live out in the woods for an entire trapping season and come back for you know for some staples here and there but that's i would i'm going to do that before uh, i get too old and gray but i will spend a winter on a remote trap line
0: oh that's cool and uh, that and what what a great thing to do like i mean uh, yeah i get to do it all the time so i'm kind of spoiled that way <laughs> yeah you're you still have that even that you're still
1: that connection you 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 load up the truck and yeah. go home kind of thing
0: yeah. Yeah. It's, true, true enough. You
1: never, true you're enough. never fully out of touch of I'm here. I'm all. Yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah no, I, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying. Yep. Well, I've got to wrap this up. We have been going for gotcha. an hour and a half. Um, I'm supposed to take my wife Woo! for lunch. <laughs> and so I'm going to, I'm going to wrap this up. It has been a pleasure, sir. Thank you. Yeah. Likewise yes we'll do it again and uh i will probably have this up in a week's time or so you take care you do the same rich and say hi
1: to sandy and uh enjoy the rest of your hot summer all right my friend
0: all right take care and uh, yeah. thank you everybody for watching watch for this to, to to come up here in the next week or so maybe we'll see you down the line hey rich here sandy and i are pleased at the rapid growth of our exclusive community TrappingInc at Locals.com. We created the community to connect more closely with our fans, friends, and supporters without the interference and censorship of social media companies. Because this community is subscriber exclusive. There is no censored photos, shadow banning, and deplatforming. As happens on Twitter and Facebook, trolls are non-existent. As not a one will spend a nickel and put their money where their mouth is to protest on a paid site. You know it. We are steadily moving all Trapping ink, YouTube videos and podcasts as quickly as time and bandwidth allow. We're tickled and surprised to see how large of library we must move. As well, we are sharing articles on trapping and guns and shooting. Our new TV series, Married to the Hunt, videos are here too. Hours and hours of never-before-released to the internet hunting and fishing from around the world Trappingink.locals.com will be the exclusive home of all trapping inc content from the past and into the future what else is there to do well there's a forum for everyone to post pictures on and interact you can message us directly on trappingink.locals.com as well as interact with all the other subscribers These are all people with common interests. Get in here. This whole venture is about taking the Trapping Inc. TV community to the next level, building a community of shared interest, and interacting with all of our friends. Who knows where we can go from here? Just go to Locals.com and sign up for a free account. Then search for Trapping Inc. and subscribe for $5 a month. That's it. Go to Locals.com to open a free account, and then subscribe for $5 a month to Trapping Inc help us spread the truth about a way of life and the responsible ethical management of the wild resources trappingink.locals.com now back to the show Jeff-